very special Sunday at the end of the service. Uh, we'll be praying over Jennifer Schmidt and licensing her for ministry. And so that's a, a very special day here at Christian Life Church, and that'll be happening at the end of service. Uh, but because of that, we've asked her father, Pastor Harry Schmidt, to, to bring the word today. So you're going to want to get your Bibles out. You want to get your sermon notes out on the back of the bulletin because it is such a good word from the Lord that Pastor Harry has. And I, I know it spoke to every heart that was here last night, and it's about to speak to your heart. Uh, pastor Harry is a pastor here at our church, an elder here at our church. He leads our Bible college as the president of Christian Life College. Uh, God has used him in, in so many different leadership roles, uh, uh, leading RCMA, a, a group of religious convention and meeting planners, and doing tremendous work all over the world, and, and helping other organizations just uh, make their meetings happen in the name of Jesus. And so he's doing a great work with them. Uh, he is the vice president of the Full Gospel Fellowship. Uh, we're about to leave and go and uh, be a part of that convention this week in Washington, D.C. Uh, God has used him literally all over the world in leadership, and we're so glad that he's here this morning uh, to minister the word to us. Would you welcome Pastor Harry Schmidt as he comes? Vice Pastor Darrell. Good morning, brothers and sisters. How are you this morning? Good, I hope. To all of you who might be watching our service via the internet around the world, we say welcome to Christian life. And it's because you walk in Christian life that you fit so well with us. And we want to thank you. Thank you so very much. Congratulations to Heather and Jared, not only being here, but this is their 12th wedding anniversary today or this weekend. We don't care if you celebrate it for the entire year, 12. 12 is the number of divine government. Things are going to be going well for them. Good things are about to happen in a great way. Good to have you here. Delighted that you're here to also celebrate and be a part of our daughter's installation into the licensing of ministry. Pastor Jared was Jennifer's youth pastor when she was growing up. And I understand that some of the activities that Pastor Jared led the youth group in have been sealed in sealed documents not to be released for 30 years because they just don't want us to know everything that went on when he was the youth pastor. But you did a great job because a lot of your young people are in ministry and in activity. So congratulations. Thank you. If you could have seen Pastor Darrell last night, I was sitting right over there. And as the video came on with Pastor Merrill, who he, he acknowledged, yeah, that's my dad. I, I, I kind of saw him nod. But when Luke started speaking, I gently saw his shoulders kind of. And a big smile came across his face. Congratulations to you, Leslie. I mean, to you, Pastor Darrell. Uh, <laughs> oh, my goodness. I want to also just express my appreciation to the fact that perhaps somebody who may be watching us today one time said about this ministry, Christian Life Church, 400 East Gregory, really is the post office box for Christian Life Church. And that's what it is. It's the mail location. Because Christian Life Church is literally around the world. And it's just that we get our mail here. And that's all right, isn't it? Because we got a team in Florida. It looked to me like they're outside of a mall when they were standing there. But that's all right. Uh, and, 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 of course, the team in India. That's wonderful. Thank you so very much. I also want to thank God for the continuity of ministry here. This church has been here for a very long time, and it's because 
People who may not be here today were here to help provide the ministry that is here today. Uh, pastor Merrill was a great pastor leading at that time, and he had a great pastor's council, just like Pastor Darrell has a great pastor's council who walk with him today. But over the years, we've had the joy of having men and women serve in background support ministry on the pastor's council. And I just want to shout out to anybody who may have been here in the past who might be watching. I'm thinking particularly a good friend of mine who I'd hope to see today. He's not here this morning, but uh, he's certainly in my heart, and that's a guy by the name of Norm Nelson. He was on our pastor's council when I was here as a young guy. And uh, one of the men who, if there was a city gate in Mount Prospect or Arlington Heights, wherever he lives, he'd be sitting at that gate. He's a man filled with probably some of the greatest wisdom that I've ever encountered. Would you give him my regards today, Chris? Just a great man. He's a member of our church, attends when he can. Well, today I want to visit with you about a great man who God gave a prophetic word to for a problematic world. And today out of Jeremiah chapter 1, I want to talk about you and I, and I want to talk about Jennifer, who's going to be licensed in the ministry. I want to talk about everybody here because God wants you and I to know that we are his prophetic word in a problematic world. Now, I could actually say it different. I could say we are the prophetic word of God in a pathetic world. How many know that our world is pretty well messed up right now? We don't know who's going to be president. We've got lots of people who want to be president. We've got lots of people who don't want people to be president. But I want you to know that God is God no matter what. Amen? He heads up the God party. He's the third party. He always wins because he's never up for election. Can I hear an amen? Amen, Pastor Harry. Thank God. Forget about the parties on earth. He rules everything from heaven. I love it. Jeremiah chapter 1 talks about a young man who became God's prophetic word and voice in a tumultuous moment. Jeremiah chapter 1, you've read these words before. Verse number 4. Now, the word of the Lord came to me, Jeremiah, saying, Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. And then I said, as you and I would, Alas, O Lord, behold, I don't even know how to speak because I'm a youth. And God says, shut up. I mean, now be quiet. I mean, listen. Do not say I'm a youth because everywhere I send you, you shall go. And all that I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord stretched out his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have appointed you this day over the nations and over the kingdoms, and you're going to pluck up and you're going to break down. You're going to destroy. You're going to overthrow. But the intent is that you're going to build up and you are going to plant. I like this word in the New American Standard in verse 4. It says this. I don't know what it says in yours, but the first word that I read is the word now. 
Would you say that simple word with me? Now. I want you to know this morning that Jesus never waits for the right time. Jesus makes the time right. Hallelujah. He's not waiting for an election. He's not waiting to see what happens to the stock market. They tell us that some of us lost our money. Didn't bother me. You got to have it to lose it, right? We don't have to sweat because God is our provider. Jesus doesn't wait for the right time. He makes the time right. What was the time? Jeremiah was born during the end of the reign of the last good king of Judah. King Uzziah was a good king, and after him, Judah went to pot. It went downhill. And uh, after that, Jeremiah, during this time of his calling, his leadership was called during a time when Judah's moral and political and religious life and quality was in decline. So much in decline that the nation was led into captivity. It was a chaotic time. There's always going to be times of challenge and times of chaos. There may be where you're employed. It might be in your neighborhood. It could be in your extended family. Chaos could be present right now where you are living. But let me tell you this. In times of chaos, God always raises up somebody with the word of the Lord. Now is the right time. Say that with me. Now is the right time. Obviously, you can see that this is going to be a participatory service this morning. Because I want you to understand the affirmations of God that he has for you and I today. He was a priest, ultimately called to be a prophetic service. And the thing that God wanted him to do, and the thing that God wanted his message to be was this. There has to be critical evaluation that precedes kingdom salvation. Has to be critical evaluation before kingdom salvation. We need to be able to be the voice of God to our generation, to say to our families, to our environments, to our social networks, we need to be able to say, hey, it's time to wake up and take evaluation. It's time to look at ourselves. We need God. It's a moment to hear the voice of God. We need to evaluate our life. We need to evaluate our values, our morals, our, our moments in the Lord. And then when we kind of get ourselves evaluated and we do a, a checklist, God is ready to restore us with his salvation. I want you to believe today before you leave that God has called every one of you to be a CEO. I want you to be able to write your name down in the future and write CEO after it. I'll tell you what that means in a moment. Because you see, in essence, Jeremiah was called to become a spiritual CEO, much like a person is asked to become a CEO today. Because what often is needed in the United States is when a, a new CEO is called in to turn around a troubled and failing business and organization. He was the spiritual CEO of God to Judah. You are the spiritual CEO to turn around your family, to turn around your city, to turn around your community, to turn around your environment. What does CEO mean? Here we, here's what it means. It means a Christ-empowered opportunist. That's who you are, a Christ-empowered opportunist. One thing that could be said about Jeremiah is that Jeremiah embraced core convictions, but he never lost compassion. He never, ever in his life grew cold and crusty, although he probably had reasons to. 
and he continued to invest himself no matter what the cause was. He kept saying, I will do it. Well, would you walk with me now and look at this passage of Scripture? And here's what I'd like to have you do on the back of your bulletin. I want us to write eight spiritual affirmations. Eight spiritual affirmations. And I want you to write these two words, I am, and then write down the number 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. I want you to see what God said to Jeremiah. I want you to understand the voice and the word of God to Jeremiah. And by understanding God's word to Jeremiah, I want you to know that these are the same words that God says to you and to I. And how do you do that? You do that by, first of all, and watch and follow me. You and I need to be able to say this as I place my hands over my ears. Lord, my ears will be the womb for the word of God. Will you do that right now? My ears will become the womb for the word of God. I will hear your word, and I will allow the word of God to be birthed in me, uniquely me, so that God's word will live through who I am. The first spiritual affirmation that God gave Jeremiah, and he wants to give you, is this. Number one, you are acknowledged. You are acknowledged. In the first few verses. We're going to look at verse number five, and the first four affirmations, one, two, three, and four, at least them, are all going to come out of that one verse, verse five. Read that with me. Follow me. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Basically, God said to Jeremiah, I know you. I know you. Don't worry about it. You're not forgotten. You're meaningful. God knows you. He knows every hair on your head, and some of you don't look like you have that much any longer, but he knows where it went. He knows everything about you and I. I am glad to say today that the one thing, God knows me. Hallelujah. I'm known by God. There's billions of people on the earth, but he knows every one of us by name. He knows us by nature. He knows our personality. I am known by God. And he says to Jeremiah, I know you. In other means, you're important to God. Ecclesiastes chapter 6 and verse 10 says this, whatever exists has already been known before it was even named. God said to Jeremiah, before you were born, I knew you. Before you were in your mother's room, I knew you. You have always, always, listen to this, you have always been known to God. Always. You're not a happenstance. You're not a circumstance. You're not an accident. You are acknowledged by God. Secondly, God says this to Jeremiah, and he says it to you. I am not only acknowledged, but he says to Jeremiah, you are framed by me. You could say, I am framed by God. What does he say? Before you were born in your mother's womb, I knew you. I appointed you. I knew you. I formed you, he says in the original language. I crafted you together. That is such a release mechanism to me. Because there are so many gifted people in this auditorium. I see these worship people up on the platform, and I, and I, I fight envy and I fight being covetous as I listen to them sing and 
and, and, and they're so grateful that I'm not up there with them. Because that's not who I am. But I don't have to struggle about who I'm not. I want you and I to know that God has framed me to be who I am. And he's framed you to be to who you are. Walk in understanding that you have been framed by God. You don't have to compare yourself to anybody. You are not limited. No one is above you. No one is below you. God is a God who believes in the dignity of every person who hears his voice and follows his name. You're framed by God. He's got everything set out for you. He goes on to say these words, Jeremiah, thirdly, I've called you. I have called you. I've consecrated you. He says to him, I have holy plans for you. Okay, buckle up. Click it or tick it. Get into the spiritual seat of God because he's going to send you out with the G-force, the God force of speed. He's got plans for you. He's called you. And you know what? The call of God takes place at different times. They believe that Jeremiah was in his late teens or maybe in his early 20s. I was called of God when I was 12, undeniably called of God when I was 12. I was visiting with somebody the other day. He was just called by God, and he's 67. Yay, I'm younger than he is, yay. And he's so excited, he asked if we could meet on occasion because he's found life, he's found joy, he senses the calling of God in his life, and he says, I've got so much to do, Pastor, and i got such little time. But I said, oh, don't worry, God can do lots of great things in compressed moments, amen? Because let me tell you this, and you can write this down, God's call always gets confirmed. God's call always gets confirmed. Whether it's at birth, like Jeremiah, whether it's a young person, maybe it's somebody in a Pastor Jared's youth group or now in Pastor Dan. Maybe it's somebody that's looking like perhaps uh, Luke who's sitting next to his grandfather or Steve back there in the sound booth or a little guy who I can barely see the top of his head. Oh, there he goes. He's got those white things on. His name is Mark. Mark kicked Luke out of the back of the booth, and now he's taken over that kingdom. Regardless of how young you are, regardless of how old you are, please, it doesn't matter if you have a little frost on your head. God has a calling for you. You may have a Bible study he wants you to launch. He may want you to be a neighborhood witness. He may want you to be a greeter at Walmart and say, good morning. You're going to have a good day and speak a word of hope and life. One of the things that Jeremiah needed the most in his life was this affirmation. Number four, he needed to know that he was appointed by God. And you and I need to know that whether you are in business, whether you work as an estimator for a construction company, maybe you work in finance as an auditor, maybe you are a store clerk, maybe you are an engineer, Maybe you are a school teacher. You need to know that whatever your current position is, you're there by divine appointment. You weren't hired. You were appointed. You were placed there by God. You are God's prophetic word 
to a problematic world. When you show up, hope arrives. Make sure that you show up because he says, I have appointed you to be a prophet. God has a place of ministry for every one of us. In just a little while, Jennifer is going to be, quote, spiritually, officially set aside in the placement of ministry, a professional ministry. She's actually here because in one way she's serving all of the congregation as law as well as Pastor Darrell and Pastor Fred. And serving Pastor Fred is always a challenge, right? I mean, that big guy. He's intimidating. He's one of the spiritual giants. And she's there to serve them, and she's here to serve you. But not all of us are in this opportunity being served on the pastoral level. We've got people who work in the area of youth. We've got a phenomenal worship leader. And they're not, quote, pastors, but they're placed in ministry. And I want you to just begin to pivot your thinking. Pivot your thinking. Pivot your attitude. I want you to begin to think that where you are, it may, be a, it may be a secular position, it may be in the corporate world, but you're there in divine ministry. You see, ministry doesn't need to be, quote, professionally paid. It's spiritually called. You're a minister of the gospel. You are the minister of the gospel. You are the one who declares good news. And you're there by divine appointment. Yes, sometimes it can be challenging. Jeremiah was placed in in the morass of a mess. Jeremiah was called at an ugly, ugly time, and people didn't stand up applauding him at all. In fact, ultimately, they put him in a cistern, and they tried to kill the guy. But God knew where he was at. God knows where you're at. Number five, he says to Jeremiah, You are directed, Jeremiah. Look with me at verse number 7. When he says, oh, I'm but a youth, I'm but a youth, God says, shut up, don't give me your excuses. Be quiet, Jeremiah, because everywhere I send you, you're going to speak. And everything I command you, you're going to do. In other words, Jeremiah walked as a directed person. He never felt, from that moment on, lost. He knew that he was walking under the divine direction of the Lord. Everywhere I send you, I, notice the the I, I send you, I will be there, I will direct you. I want you and I to know that every day when you check in, you're checking in as a divinely sent person directed by God, and you're on a holy mission because you are a Christ-empowered opportunist. God's going to wake you up every day, and you're going to look in the mirror, and you're saying, good morning, gringo, or gringa. Are you ready to meet the world? And you're going to say, yes, in God, I have an assignment. He then does this very uniquely to Jeremiah. When Jeremiah, and listen to this, when Jeremiah Jeremiah says, I can't talk, God has an antidote for for your can't. He says, I can't speak, and God says, stick out your tongue. How, How many older people here remember the cod liver oils of your life, right? Not too many. 
Open your mouth. And God says, you say you can't talk? Open your mouth. And God touches him at his moment and his point of weakness and inability. Let me tell you this. Never say can't with God. And I would also encourage you, never say won't with God. But whatever your can'ts are, God is going to touch you and God is going to bring you to the place where you are prepared at that moment. Now listen, I want you to understand this. You can write this down. You, God doesn't give you challenges to match your strength. He gives you strength to match your challenges. He doesn't say, okay, well, this person hobbles a little bit. This person isn't maybe the best on the... He, he, he can't sing. Oh, Harry can't sing. Uh, so we'll, we'll kind of fix that up and we'll put him in. We'll put him in. We'll have him make coffee on Sunday morning and it better be Starbucks or he's out of here, you know. No, God doesn't match us up based upon our strength. He gives us strength to match us up with the challenge that he gives us. Well, let's look quickly at the last two. Verse number 80, he says this to Jeremiah. Don't be afraid of them. I'm going to deliver you, declares the Lord. So the eighth or the seventh declaration is this. I am delivered by God. I am delivered by God. Don't be afraid. God's call and God's empowerment always match up. God's call and God's empowerment always match up. And whenever you feel a little bit overwhelmed, God will be there to lift you up. Whenever you feel like, again, you're just at a moment when I don't know if I can, yes, you can, because you've got all of heaven backing you up this morning. Hallelujah. And when you are in trouble over your head, and I live in trouble over my head all the time, God says, don't worry. Stick your hand up. Worship me. And God lifts me up out of the situation. How many have felt that way? You've been lifted up by God. That's one of the great reasons you can just lift your hands to the Lord and, and say, I lift my eyes under the hills. Whence cometh my strength? My strength cometh where? From the Lord. Amen. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And finally, I want you to say this in your, in your notes. I am destined. That's the last and the eighth spiritual affirmation. I am destined. What was his destiny? I've appointed you this day over the nations and over the kingdoms to pluck them up and to tear them down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. Well, over 40 years ago, this church was planted in the northwest suburbs. God planted it. Why was Christian life planted? Christian life was planted to be able to tear up and destroy the things that aren't bringing about goodness and life and joy. And God puts you and I into the community to root out, to tear down, to demolish, to make sure that we evaluate the things that don't bring life. And once we identify it, we insert life, Jesus' life into the environment. That's why this church is called here. And all over the Chicago area, there's a network of churches that look at this church as its life center. There's churches in different states that look at this church as its life center. There are nations around the world that are relying upon you to pray and to seek God on their behalf and to support them. They're depending every day because 
they need to be able to be the ones to rearrange the order of things that are in a mess and to build that back up and to plant all over again. See, God hasn't called you to be destroyers. He hasn't called you to be the people who bring judgment. He's called you to be people who helps evaluate the situation. And then in that moment, you are the ones who help insert the life that's actually there. Well, in a moment, pastor's going to be coming and sharing this wonderful moment where we affirm Jennifer and her calling. But I want to just kind of close by mentioning these things to you. I know you're thinking about some things right now. I know you're saying, Pastor Harry, you really don't know me. You don't know my background. You don't know my mom and dad. In fact, I didn't have a mom or dad, or they were absent. Or you just don't know my background. You don't know the footprints of my life. But I have to tell you this. God doesn't consult your past to determine your future. God doesn't want you to understand. He doesn't want you to think like no matter what your past, you are held in the past. No, you're not held in your past. Maybe you're one of the persons here that says, Pastor Harry, I'm in my comfort zone and I'm afraid to get out of my comfort zone. Listen, if you're in your comfort zone, you're never going anywhere beyond your comfort zone. God wants you to be able to say, I want you to live passionately and forever excited to be in my life. And if you're in my life, I will bring a comforter alongside of you so that wherever you go, you're always going to have a comforter. Hallelujah. So get out of your comfort zone. Get into the things of God and allow God to bless you. A young boy, an African-American at the age of 14, found himself on a deathbed, his deathbed. He saw and he was told that he was about to die at the age of 14. African-American guy whose parents were slaves during the 1800s. He was the offspring of slaves, lying on a deathbed at the age of 14. And at the moment he was to die, he prayed this prayer, Lord, as long as you give me life, I will pray as a slave. Lord, my parents served other masters, but as long as you give me life, I will serve you as your slave. Teach me to pray as your slave. And at that moment, C.H. Mason heard the word of the Lord come to his ear and says this. The word of the Lord said to C.H. Mason, from now on, it's not what you think you have. It's what you're going to be able to handle because of my power in your life. It's not what you have is what you're able to handle with the power in my life. As he grew older, after surviving that deathbed experience that day, C.H. Mason became the founder of the Church of God in Christ. And when he did finally die, there were 6,000 churches in that great denomination that that 14-year-old, about-to-die guy got up off that deathbed and did great things for the Lord. It's time for you to get off of your deathbed 
Time for you to get up from where you're at. Time for you to believe that if you'll pray like a slave and a servant of God, God will hear your voice and God will touch you. So will you do this with me for a moment? Would you put your fingers again over your ears? Will you allow your ear to be the womb for the word of God? I'm going to pray with you for a second. Heavenly Father, we have, we have our hands over our ears. I have my hands on my ear. Regardless of whether I'm 12 or 10 or 8 or 80, I believe that our ears are fertile for the word of God. And I believe today, Lord, that if my ears will become open to hearing the word of God, you will come and you will place your word upon my heart. It may startle me. It may just send me wondering. But when that word becomes alive and is birthed, I believe you're going to use me to the nations, to my companies, to my families, to my home, to this nation. Thy will be done in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let me tell you this.